All right. Hi, everyone. We are here recording a special social distanced virtual podcast episode for Above and Below. I'm Navridi. I'm Eric. And Eric and I, as all of us, we have been displaced because of the COVID crisis that we're all experiencing right now. And I've been really curious to speak with some industry experts about how companies are specifically handling the shift that we're experiencing in the workplace. For sure. Um, a lot of the things that Navridi and I have been working on with companies over the last two years are now starting to accelerate um, a lot of the trends around the future of the workplace that we've been discussing on this podcast, um, whether that's bringing more health and wellness or, or work from home or shortening the, the work the work week to four days, you know, all of these trends uh, that we've been championing, um, you know, are now coming through. Um, so that is a small silver lining of this pandemic and, and, and thinking about how do we now recreate our world. Yeah, and especially from the company side and corporate side, we've seen a lot of layoffs happening, a lot of readjustments and location. You know, many big companies are saying that we're they're enabling just a work from home forever policy. Um, so we're dealing with a lot of big changes in not just the economy, but also in the employment market. And a lot of people are out of work, a lot of people are displaced, and a lot of people are in a position where they have to rethink and maybe even rebrand themselves uh, to continue working or even to continue to redefine what it means for them to participate in the workforce. Yeah, 100%. And um, I'm excited today to talk more about these themes and trends and, and what we're seeing with the future of remote work and um, how corporations and freelance can work better together. Yeah, so we have uh, a really great guest today. Uh, we have Lee Lutan, uh, who is going to be joining us. Uh, let's get her into our virtual podcast. <laughs> this is our <laughs> first trial. <laughs> Hello, Lihi. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Hi, Thank you so much for, for, for joining us. So you're chiming in from New York City. Uh, yeah. And just to give you uh, a little more context to all of our listeners. So Lihi Lutan, she uh, is a senior executive and currently serving as the COO of Stoke Talent, uh, which is a platform that helps companies manage all non-payroll uh, workforce or rather freelance employees. So uh, we're very excited to have you on. You have a really impressive background, especially, you know, you've worked through the past crises that we've had in the, in the two decades. So in 2001 and 2008, yeah, embarrassing to say, but it's been a while, mm -hmm. so yeah. So Lee, we'd love to get to know uh, a bit more about you. Tell us how you started your career and eventually ended up, at, you know, working with Stoke. So first of all, thanks for having me here. It's a, a real pleasure to be with you guys. And um I started my career back in 2001. As a matter of fact, I just graduated when the crisis started back then. 
I'm originally from Israel and I was looking for a job at the time that no one was basically posting any job, uh, any job out there. And I was lucky enough to get into a startup company that happened to be, uh, to be one of the booming startup companies in Israel. So that was a pure luck, I have to say, looking back. Uh, over the next, I guess, two decades, I spent my career both in startups as small as 20 to 30 people and big corporates. I think the largest one would be Thomson Reuters with around 50,000 employees. Mm -hmm. So I have a very diverse background of seeing different sizes of companies. And in my last company, before joining Stoke Talent, I actually managed, I built and managed the entire services organization for Taboola. Uh, and my organization included around 150 people in seven different countries. So mm -hmm. I got a real exposure to different culture, different remote uh, people, uh, different remote employees. I moved New York about seven years ago and now I'm locked down uh, with everyone else in the city for the last uh, I guess two months or so mm. and uh, yeah I joined Stoke about six months ago. Uh, Stoke as you mentioned Norvidi is a platform to manage the non-payroll employees or the non-payroll workforce in a company. Mm. Um, Freelancers, contractor, consultant, everyone that is not on the payroll but does work for the company. Mm -hmm. So we provide a platform to manage the, this portion of the workforce. Gotcha. And can you tell us a bit more about the services of Stoke and the platform? Yes, of course. So um, we work with companies uh, from small startups to more stable organizations and help them from A to Z to make sure that they can manage uh, the people that are not employees, but does services for them. Uh, it starts from hiring. While we are not a marketplace and we do not provide specific uh, placement activities, we do interact with around 300 marketplaces out there and help companies hire people. After they are hired, we help companies with all the legal and finance and payment and tax and all the bureaucracy and back office to manage this portion of the workforce. That's great. Can you elaborate more on what you're seeing uh, with COVID and the trend that you've, you know, since 2001, what the freelance market has, has done over the years and how it's shifting and, and how freelancers are getting more rights uh, and what's that looking like? So I think that when we look at the freel at freelancers, um, I think a very interesting trend started a few years ago. Back, if you look two decades ago or, or even 10 years ago, freelancers usually used to be either people that couldn't find a full-time job or people at the very end of their career consulting and providing expertise, but in, not in a full-time capacity. And 
if we look at the trends back then, people used to work for companies for 10 years, for 15 years, till they got right. a, a gold watch at the 10 years anniversary. That doesn't happen anymore. What started to shift even before COVID, was, what started to shift is the fact that people change jobs quite frequently. The average person in tech is around one and a half to two years in a company, uh, sometimes less than that. And people start to understand that they are the ones responsible for their career. If you listen to Adam Grant, the last podcast that, that he posted, uh, the last episode, he mentioned there that no one is an employee anymore. Each individual is the one responsible for their career path. And part of that means that people need to go and make sure that they learn in advance and also they're responsible to get out there and get new companies to be interested in their work. Even before COVID, if you, uh, the Bureau of Labor presented statistics that 35% of the American uh, workforce would prefer being freelancers than being full-time employees. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those freelancers, by the way, work full-time. Right. Just the engagement between them and the company is a more flexible one. Mm. So is this a trend that you're seeing specifically in tech? I know you mentioned other industries as well, but uh, can you uh, clarify that? Yeah, so I think that in tech it, it's easier because of the remote work. And we'll speak about it in a moment, what happened now with COVID and the fact that even more traditional industries needed to start working remotely. But right. Till recently, the advantage of working remotely was only uh, for tech companies. Non-tech companies didn't work remotely. So we did see it in what we call the gig economy. We did see it in other places, but those were usually not very high-skilled individuals. Mm -hmm. We see it with Uber drivers, and we see it with TaskRabbit, and we see it with people do grocery shopping in Instacart and in other companies. But I think that when we here speak about freelancers or non-traditional employment arrangement, we refer more to the high-skilled individuals. And those individuals usually can work remotely and easily in tech companies mm -hmm. or in tech departments within a traditional company. So we're talking more in the lines of knowledge workers, people who can work on a computer. Uh, so definitely, let's say a tech-friendly job, not necessarily in the tech industry. <laughs> exactly. It can also be applied to marketing individuals or sales or... Um, so it doesn't have to be IT or software engineers, but if marketing is mostly an online mar in online marketing, so it can be done from everywhere. Um, yeah. Are you Please. seeing certain? Oh, are you seeing certain jobs in particular that are being outsourced outsourced more than others? Um, and if there are any new trends and that are surprising you? Yeah. So I think that COVID changed that a bit because before COVID, before the last three months or so, 
we did see specifically more um, tech, very tech related jobs can be software engineers and marketing and sales or testing or IT, but it was very um, tech related jobs because in our minds, those were the jobs that could be done remotely. But what we started seeing lately is that as companies let go people from all departments, basically across industries, across departments, they need to find new solutions for, uh, for new employees without making a long-term commitment. So what we start seeing uh, lately is that companies actually look for all types of roles, basically everything that can be done remotely. Uh, and they are looking to replace a lot of the full-time employees with just freelancers, just in order, A, to make sure that they pay less, and B, to make sure that they do not make any long-term commitment in an uncertain world. So we yeah, actually see across the board now. Right. So, so from the corporate side, we're seeing some more short-term thinking. And the advantage here for them is that freelancers, or with freelancers, it's less of a penalty really financially uh, you know, to work with a freelancer than with a full-time employee. Yeah, it's financially and also the commitment piece. It's true that in the US people, you know, most of the states only require work at will, even if it's employee and not a freelancer, but still when your engagement with a company is an employee, there is um, an unofficial bound between you and the company. Mm -hmm. And companies know that even, even companies that are booming at the moment, like uh, e-fitness and, and healthcare, uh, remote healthcare and e-learning and all of those companies, they are still in an uncertain world because they don't know what will happen the day after COVID mm -hmm. will hopefully be gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they have an uncertainty as well. They don't want long-term commitment. It's interesting to think about the, the dynamic between the corporate and the freelancer in some ways you know, the freelancers, some have more leverage now because they can work in different places. You know, some engineers are excited about the possibility of, you know, working from home and working two jobs and the employers don't know. Um, at the same time, corporations sort of have the advantage of now having a bigger pool to choose from. And, you know, if, I'm sure a lot of companies want to cut their payroll completely if they could, you know, not pay any benefits. Um, uh, I'm curious where you think those dynamics are going. Yeah. So first of all, I think it's important to remember, and this is something that people, um, people just think about how companies can hire from everyone, uh, everywhere around the globe. But this is true for the freelancer as well. If an individual till lately only uh, thought about, mainly in the Western world, only thought about finding a job locally, now a freelancer can also find a company that will hire him or her remotely from around the globe. And I think it's important to remember that this also creates uh, opportunities for the individuals. 
So we do see companies, not necessarily American companies, that are looking for American talent now, which didn't happen in the past. So in, for example, if, if a company wants to open a new activity, a new business activity in a new country, now they don't have to open an office. They don't really ha have to employ someone. They can just find a freelancer to work for them. Mm -hmm. um, so, so first of all, it's important to remember it's bi-directional. It's not one-sided. Mm -hmm. um, in general, you're right, Eric, saying that, yes, usually for freelance companies do not pay benefits uh, and companies um, pay less if you look at the total. But they also pay more per hour um, because they don't pay benefits. Uh, so they end up paying more per hour. And for and we actually see quite a lot of individuals that prefer working for two or three different companies at the same time. Mm -hmm. So they end up working full-time job, but get at the end of the day more uh, to their bank account. Right. We were just talking earlier about our previous episode was with Ref Eddy, who's a recruiter. And when she interviews people that are, you know, really good talent, she expects them to have a consulting side job in some way. You know, everybody's sort of working <laughs> more than one job at this point. Yeah. And you mentioned the gig economy earlier and Eric's just touching upon it now too. So, uh, the gig economy is very, was very much alive even before this crisis. So can you tell us a bit more about what you think? Uh, do you think the gig economy will continue to expand or how will it be redefined now, both you know, from the company side? So I think that um, there are a few, I think that the trend is here and it's here to stay. Uh, everything shows that uh, if you look at statistics, if you look at the fact that there are more than 300 marketplaces out there and more than uh, 10 of millions of people. Uh, this is a real number that are registered in those marketplaces. There is no question that this is not a trend anymore. This is here to stay. Um, I think that the challenge and the complexity starts where we actually did not see a lot of companies using this talent. We saw startups, very small startups, using those talents that, that come from those marketplaces. And we saw big corporates that use contractors. If you look at Google, for example, 55% of Google's workforce are contractors and not Google employees. Mm. Um, now, the trend that we start seeing and we see in an, we see an exponent of it during COVID is that actually the more stable companies, all the companies in between the startup phase and the corporate phase start to understand that this is another way to go. This is something that they can actually do. And they have, um, so it's, they, they have a, a balance that they need to find there because on one hand they want to hire cheap and and probably very good people but they also need to make sure that 
they comply with the, all the legal stuff. They know how to pay people all over the world. It's not an easy one. They know how to, for example, make sure that they submit 1099 at the end of the year for anyone and that the freelancer provided W8 and W9 uh, for them. And this becomes very complicated. Um, it also becomes complicated because different states in the US has different regulations about what is a freelancer versus what is an employee. Uh, in California or in Jersey, there, there, is, there are very strict rules. In other states, there are not. So a company needs to understand how they really can navigate the different regulations around it. That's interesting. In a way, it creates a lot of complications. And I guess that's where your company probably comes in to help navigate and make that less of a, a administrative yeah. nightmare in some ways. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, it's, it's interesting to see what happens when we speak with companies. It really depends on the actual person we speak with, because if you speak with a CFO of a company and ask how many employees do you have in the company, they'll immediately let they'll immediately answer 327. Immediately, no, they don't need to open any system and know that. And then you'll ask, so how many freelancers and contractors you you have? Most of them either don't know or will tell us, oh, we don't employ freelancers. But then we'll speak with VP marketing or VP IT or VP engineering. And we actually hear stuff like VP marketing, just go to a marketplace, swipe a credit card and expense it as travel because it's super hard for him to get a content writer without the biocracy of the company. So we see this gap between the CFO and the people on the ground that understand the change mm -hmm. that the management still need to get conveyed. Yeah. What, what are some companies that you're seeing are doing a really good job at integrating freelancers? Maybe you don't have to point out names per se, but um, like some, some like culture tips of how to best integrate freelancers in and like almost make them feel like they're part of the company and, and avoid those situations that you just mentioned. Yeah, so I think that, first of all, one of the things that we see companies start doing, and I think this is a very interesting trend, is that instead of the traditional interview, when we kind of know that, except from understanding basic chemistry between you and the other person, you don't really learn about their professional experience, what companies start doing is, um, Hiring people as freelancers with small amount of money for very small projects. As a, a matter of fact, we have, for example, a company that used to start with $250. They hire freelancers for projects for $250. It's a task, basically. It's like a task in an interview. And whoever is successful with that, will continue and work with the company for a very small project for one month. Not a full-time one month, few hours during that month and get exposure to different people in the company. And then after 
two or three months, when they're happy with this individual, they'll either hire them as an employee, a real employee, or continue with freelancing, but uh, increase the complexity of the project. So they have more exposure of the, the fit between this individual and the company. So that's one example. Sort of like a temp. Sorry. Yeah, almost like a skills on demand, you know. <laughs> skills on demand. This is exactly what it is. Yeah. And I think that's also important for someone that wants to start freelancing to understand that skills are the name of the game now. It's right. Not, yeah, it's only about your skills. That's what you are measured on. So regarding the crisis that we're in right now and, you know, lots of layoffs have happened, companies have really cut back and trying to keep their core, but we also see a lot of companies hiring. Uh, so what are, what are the skills or even the job titles that you see uh, companies are hiring for? So as I mentioned, we really see it across the board and that surprises us. Um, when we, at the beginning of the crisis, uh, like, I don't know, two and a half months ago, we were asked this question and then we had a pretty good answer. Then we could say it was probably engineers and uh, SDRs, um, sales, uh, uh, the very junior, the very uh, uh, beginning of, of uh, salespeople. Now, we can't say that anymore. We actually see people in all levels and all seniority levels. Um, and we see skills all around, seriously, all around all professions. I wish I could tell you, this is a skill you need to gain in order to, to get a freelancing job, but that's not what the data show us. The data shows us that it's all around. Uh, and I think maybe we, if we look at the skills that are required to maybe not to get your first job, but what are the skills that are required, how are you measured in order to get the second job or a good, uh, a, a good review by the company. So I think that in remote work and freelancing jobs, um, I think the difference between that and regular employment are that, first of all, communication is even more of a key than in a regular office uh, space. You have to communicate, you have to make sure that you either uh, stand behind the deadline that you're committed to, or that you communicated that it won't happen by the deadline and this is the new deadline. I say that this is something that if we look at bad reviews that people get, this would be, I think, the top issue that companies complain about, that people disappeared on them or that people didn't deliver on time. So communication, I would say, is the number one thing that you need to, to work on. Yeah, that reminds me, I was reading an article about how sometimes consultants have to work longer hours or if you're working remotely to kind of over uh, prove your value because you're not present um, and if you know the boss doesn't see you working you kind of have to overextend yourself in some ways to at least over communicate or 
or show in some way that you are working. Um, so that that's something interesting too that we're seeing is like these organizations that were very against work from home are now having to face you know, there are trust issues <laughs> with having your employees totally. go home and it, it's really a test of your, your culture. <laughs> so, we, Yeah, we actually have a, a company that works with our platform that before COVID, they insisted that each freelancer they hire will be in their, uh, in their city basically and will be able to commute to the office at least, at least once a week because they are not able to work with people they don't know in person. And they refuse to work with freelancers around the globe. Of course, they changed that. They actually called us about two weeks into the crisis and said, okay, we are now ready. Bring the best talent you can bring up on board. Forget about locality. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, you know, we like going into the office every so often. It's nice to have that <laughs> touch point. And sometimes working from home all the time can be also exhausting in its way. But um, I think companies are going to start to find that that balance that works for them. And it depends on what industry and uh, what makes sense. But, uh, you know, the, you know, everybody wants flexibility. That's the theme that we're finding throughout our conversations and uh, to be able to go pick up your kids uh, from school or go to um travel when you can you know it's yeah you know we have to all learn how to be adults <laughs> yeah i i think that um it's interesting in that aspect to look at to what facebook announced last week so like lots of other companies they announced that they will continue working from home basically indefinitely but they also announced unlike uh, others that they will look at the salary and will adjust the salary uh, according to the new location of the employees. Mm -hmm. And that makes a lot of sense financially, but it also creates a question of what will happen, uh, you know, to cities and to remote places. And it creates a change in society that I'm not really sure we can even, we can even understand where the trend is going because if we thought till basically till Facebook announced it, if we all imagined people from the Silicon Valley just traveling to other places and getting Silicon Valley uh, paychecks, mm -hmm. it seems like this is not necessarily what's not, what's going to happen now, mm -hmm. and it will be very interesting to see what will happen now that at least Facebook, but I'm sure others will follow, plan to adjust their, their paycheck accordingly. Yeah, or even from the side of the company or a recruiter that's exploring a talent pool, you know, do you pick, do you hire someone that's in, you know, Silicon Valley versus, you know, Kentucky? Nebraska, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Eastern Europe, or... Right you know or the philippines or like and we also we already see this trend that right if you are looking for jobs that do not require necessarily perfect english and do not require super high skilled uh, individuals more of admin works you tend to go to other countries and to cheaper places 
and yeah. Yeah, I think the takeaway from all of this is that all the trends we've been already seeing are just accelerating now and I'm just gonna watch what happens and definitely a lot to, to see. <laughs> Yeah. Well, how how would you see the freelancing market being Im impacted by COVID and remote work? So I think that uh, there are few few things to remember here. First of all, we already spoke about remote versus local and how this impacts the market. Second, I think that it's we are facing now a, a case where there are way more people trying their way in freelancing. People that till three months ago never thought about being freelancers. People with 10 and 15 and 20 years experience in their field go now and try being freelancers. Sometimes it's till they end with a new full-time job and some of them will get in love and stay freelancers because they will appreciate the lifestyle that it provides them. Um, so I think that in a way, while more and more companies go and, and um, hire more freelancers, we also see that there are way more people offering their services. And this means that maybe Yes, the market is growing, but for a specific individual, I'm not sure it's going to be easier to land on their first freelancing job than before. Mm. Uh, so, and I'm not even sure that maybe for anyone in the Western world, I suspect that it might be even harder to land on, on a freelancing job than for people outside of the Western world. How come? And what can people do to better establish themselves as freelancers? So first of all, how come? Just financially. Uh, you know, what you can buy with $1 in New York is not what you can buy with $1 in uh, Kentucky. And for sure, it's not what you can buy with $1 in Delhi. Uh, so it's a matter of, what are you willing to get for the job that you are doing? Mm. And there are way more people outside of the Western world willing to provide their skills for uh, a different amount of money that mm. we are fortunate enough and we will usually say we want way more. So that's about how much. So the competition is still there? The competition. Uh, so that, that would be a barrier to becoming a freelancer is the competition and just pay. Yes. And I think that that leads to, to the second question that you asked about what can someone do in order to, to start freelancing. I think that it's important to remember that uh, I mentioned it earlier, but now when we speak about the pay gap, I think that it's important to remember that no job is too small to start with. And when you start, it's not a matter of getting a large paycheck. If I go back to the example I gave about a company that does interviews so-called in $250 for small projects, we actually have 
freelancers now working for those companies in and getting five thousand dollars a month but they started with a small project of 250. so i think a lot of the people will see oh a project for 250 i'm not willing to do that i'm not willing to waste my time and i think that this is a change in mindset that people need to go through and understand like you never expected to get paid for a job interview say thanks that you are getting paid something basically to get interviewed um another thing i will add about the difference and what you can do in order to to uh, make sure that you have professional experience to offer is that when you're freelancing you're expected to be ahead of the curve in terms of, of professional knowledge because if i hire you for a specific task i want you to be the top of your game only in this specific task you don't have to be at top of your game in everything else only for this specific thing so find one thing that you are an expert in it can be a very small thing that's okay but find something that you can say i'm the top person you can get to do that and then market yourself and brand yourself only on this specific matter and make sure that you get hired for that that will open the door for you and maybe you'll get additional work with that company yeah, I think that's a good point because sometimes when you market yourself as doing a wide range of things, people don't know how to place you necessarily. And I think that's also a good point about doing these small projects. And I think the second most important thing to having these hard skills is also just relationship building. Um, yeah. Because at some point, maybe that's where the relationship from of someone in New York trumps a relationship in Eastern Europe because, you know, it's just like who you are, your, your character in some way or, or vice versa. Um, so um, yeah. it's not. As a matter of fact, I can, I can share that another company that works with us, their almost entire engineering team are uh, freelancers. And um, this specific group of freelancers from different countries, those people never met in person they actually work together for almost 10 years now um, because the the vp engineering in that company whenever he switched jobs from one company to the other those freelancers from different countries just followed him and he actually have a team of one person from colombia and one person from poland and one like those are different, super different locations around the globe. And they actually work together for almost 10 years now, um, working in different companies. So, and that person works here in New York, by the way, and, but his team is elsewhere. And wow. he never met them in person as well, by the way. He hired them <laughs> through one of the marketplaces. And sometimes he adds more people to the team. But the core team is, uh, yeah, they are together for like 10 years. So they're all remote and they're all meeting virtually. <laughs> yeah. And as a matter of fact, I just spoke with him like two weeks ago or so. Um, 
to check in what's going on now with COVID and everything. And he shared that one of the biggest disappointed for, uh, disappointments for him is the fact that um, one guy from Colombia was supposed to come to New York and they were supposed to meet for the first time that <laughs> <laughs> they worked together. <laughs> and then COVID. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think a lot of us are feeling the pain of the travel restrictions right now. Um, but like, what, what other advice would you give, um, even if you have to reiterate some of the things, to someone that's navigating the current COVID economy? Yeah, so I think that uh, I want to first um, refer to what you just said about the travel restriction, because I think that's an opportunity for us as well. Mm. Um, because travel restrictions in some capacity, hopefully not in the capacity it is right now, but in some capacity, will probably stay in place for the next, I don't know, till there is a vaccine for, for COVID. So I think that even when things will reopen, companies will look for local presence. I know I spoke a lot about the fact that you do not necessarily need to look for local companies anymore, but you do have, if you are a Western person, if you are an American person, you do have the advantage that you will be able to go on meetings and meet people, meet clients, meet other uh, people from the company, uh, being in the States and international companies will have a challenge with traveling. And that's an important piece to remember if you're more of a marketing person or a salesperson or someone that can actually client success people. If a lot of companies used to do that by travel a lot, this will end and they will need to hire people that are close to where the clients are. So maybe the location that you should look for are, or companies that their clients are located where you are and not necessarily companies that are located where you are. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, as I'm working on a, a startup incubator in upstate New York, uh, while there is this global trend of expansion and, and connecting with people around the globe, I think at the same time, people are really starting to value their immediate community and wanting to work as much as they can within the community and, and, and build strength there. So that's another aspect of this is like, also what are your values, um, right? Like it's great to hire someone in India and, and support them and they need support as well. Um, but you know, what about your, your neighbors and, and how can we just help each other locally to, to act globally in some way? Yeah. Yeah, I, there's an interesting dichotomy between globalization and localization. But it, it sounds like it's a particular to the role. I agree. I agree. I think that for roles that do not really need human interaction, or I'll, I'll, I will rephrase, when human interaction can be replaced by Zoom calls easily, like with engineering work and like with testing and like with administration work, I think that... Um, it makes less, the, the importance of the localization will become less and less important. And I think that, that people in Eastern Europe and people in the Philippines and India and China and uh, other countries 
will have a lot of advantages. While people that real, but the market will stay here. The market will stay the Western world, maybe also China. We, we need to see what will happen with China. China is a huge market, but let's keep that aside. If we, if we do not speak about China for a second, the Western world are still the clients, the market. So people that understand the market, that understand the need, people that can speak with client, people that can speak with client in their languages, because language will still be a barrier. Uh, people need, you know, people in the U.S. will only want to speak with people English. They will not want to speak any other language. So, yeah. Well, I think we've reached time. Uh, I know we can talk all day about this, but any <laughs> yeah. closing remarks and or how people can reach you? Yeah. So, um, first of all, anyone can uh, is happy to i'm happy to answer any other question any follow-up question you're welcome to reach me uh i can maybe share my email it will be uh maybe we'll edit afterwards uh when we post it will be easier i guess than just spell it out uh, but i think that um we are living in a in a era that things shift so quickly and I think that it's important to understand that even two months ago, no one could believe that we will be where we are now. Mm -hmm. And we have no idea what will happen in a month or two or in a year. And the rapid changes will require rapid changes in the workforce. Mm -hmm. So don't stay in one place and don't assume that what worked yesterday will work for you tomorrow. Just open your mind to different, different ways of work. Yeah, that's a really great point. I think having adaptability and being a part of an iterative, you know, surrounding and expectation of how work is going to look and feel like in the near future is the mindset and attitude to have. Yeah, I <laughs> totally agree. <laughs> well, thank yeah. you so much, Lihi. This was such an enjoyable and informative conversation. Thank you so much for having me. It was Thank a pleasure. You. Awesome. Have a great week. You too. Bye. Bye. Okay, so we can pause the recording.